This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 3, Episode 14. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by XS Sites. Today is Wednesday, September 29th, 2021, as of the recording of this episode. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by Mr. Not Greybeard Actual, but Greybeard Jr., Matthew Marister. <laughs> What's up, man? I'm super happy to be back after an extended period away, so... Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this morning, and honestly, it came as a shock to me to realize it had been a solid month since we recorded a new episode of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, wow, what happened? <laughs> Where did we go? <laughs> yeah, that's like eight episodes, I think, right? Yeah. That's a few episodes for sure. Yep. Uh, I will say, folks, I am disappointed in some of you that it took so long for you to notice. <laughs> I finally started getting some emails like last week and this week from some listeners asking, you know, what was going on, if anything had happened, if we were coming back. Well, we are back. I apologize for the extended delay. I'll give you a quick update right now as to a little bit about what was going on. And uh, uh, and then we'll get into our sponsor messages and then into our episode content for today. So um, just want to let you know, um, without giving away a ton, uh, and honestly, a lot of this is going to be discussed a little bit later in our next episode, which will be recorded together with me and Jacob Paulson. But uh, we had an incident, uh, an incident, I guess. It's one word for it. Um, but Jacob has been uh, w- quite sick for about the last five weeks. Uh, sick enough that he couldn't work. And that meant that a lot of other duties had to fall on the rest of us to keep the business operations moving forward, uh, which really left... Oh, and then on top of that, we were preparing. <laughs> the timing couldn't have been more worse because we were preparing for our inaugural Guardian Conference, which was uh, a week and a half ago in Oklahoma City. Uh, so just, there was no time left for anything else. I remember scrambling right up to the last minute, literally just last minute. I mean, before we had to leave and depart for the conference, uh, just to get everything ready. So there was, there was no extra time to even do anything on Facebook, to do any podcasts, anything like that. Uh, I, I, I meant to get on and do like an update at some point and it just didn't happen. And I, I, I'm really sorry about that guys. Uh, but, uh, we got the conference done. A couple of us had to turn right around and go the next week to, uh, Kansas for the active self-protection national conference where myself and Brian McLaughlin from Mountain Man Medical were teaching. And we were also sponsors of that, of, of that training conference. And so, again, last week, didn't leave any time to do any podcast work. But here we are. We got all that behind us. Uh, Happy news is that Jacob is back home. He did spend some time in the hospital. Uh, But he is back, and he is also back working this week, which is a bit of a miracle. So, we are back. The podcast is back. We are back 
better and bigger and stronger than ever. <laughs> sure. If yep. anything, we're just excited to be back and in our desire to put you know to publish the podcast is renewed, you know, with a renewed strength of sorts. So that's just a little bit of an update. Uh, Jacob is going to be on the podcast with me. Uh, it, well, since we do, we record these two at a time on Wednesdays afternoons. Uh, be later today. All right. So uh, stand by for an, an episode with me and Jacob, and he will perhaps talk at greater length about some of that. So, uh, and I certainly want to give him that opportunity to do that. I don't want to, you know, step on his toes or or say anything that I shouldn't say. Today's episode is sponsored and brought to you by CCW Safe. Uh, CCWSafe.com is the place to learn more about what they have to offer to check out their different plans, whether you qualify for the protector plan, if you are LE or military, or if you want to sign up for the defender plan, or go all in and get the ultimate plan. Boom, which is what I did right there. Proud member of CCWSafe. And uh, I'm, ex- you know, I'm, I'm, I, I sleep well at night knowing that I am a CCW Safe Ultimate Plan member. Uh, guys, CCW Safe is our choice for legal coverage in the event that you are involved in some kind of incident. They are the guys I will be calling, and I hope that you will be calling because they will back you up. They will hold your hand throughout the process. They will advise you, and they will make sure that you have proper and qualified legal representation should you require after a critical incident. So guys, check out ccwsafe.com to get signed up today and use the pod, use the CC podcast. That's a discount code. CC podcast to save 10% off of your CCW safe membership. They are also our title sponsor of the 2021 guardian conference. And without them and without their support, it would not have happened. So we thank them for that sincerely and wholeheartedly from our hearts. Um, and we're also proud that they are sponsors of this podcast. Excess Sites is our other sponsor of today's episode, XSSites.com. Uh, they, I am a huge fan of particularly their F8 Night Sites and uh, also recently concluded a review a a long detailed uh, testing and evaluation of their R3D sites which are geared more towards uh, whether you're a law enforcement officer these should be uh, appropriate for law law enforcement agency use or if you prefer a more traditional site picture the R3D night sites would be a great choice for you I really like the F8s I know Matthew I think you've got a set of F8s. Yes? Yeah, I have it on a P365. Yeah. So, guys, check out XS Sights to get some quality sights on your pistol. A lot of times, the pistols that come from the factory don't come with the best sights. Uh, any Glock owner knows this, and that's been the case for a long time. I mean, some people like the, the factory Glock sights, but I'll tell you, there are better options out there. And at the very least, the factory sights that come on your Glocks are plastic. So get rid of those plastic sites and pick up some excess sites from excesssites.com. We appreciate them being sponsors of the podcast. All righty. So guys, gave you a little update about what's been going on. We mentioned that part of the, one of the big things was we were really, really, really busy 
it just didn't help that Jacob couldn't be working and helping us with it. Uh, I, I would like to think we would have still been getting our podcasting uh, done this past month, even with the conference in the middle there. But uh, um, we got done with the with the Guardian conference about a little more than a week. At, well, we, we returned home about a week and a half ago. Uh, wrapped up on Sunday, the 19th of September. It was a three-day event. We had um, about 90 attendees. I think actually only about 85 were able to show up. We had a few that couldn't make it. A couple of folks came down with COVID or family members with COVID. Uh, a few other things, things you know, people that had emergencies and things. But we were really excited to have that many of you come and join us for three days in Oklahoma City at Oklahoma City Gun Club. We had a dozen fabulous instructors that uh, gave of their time and honestly gave their all over those three days to teach attendees the absolute best in shooting, tactics, uh, weapons-based combatives. That would be Todd Fossey. Uh, we had Chuck Hager teaching OC spray and managing unknown contacts. Uh, Steve Moses and Alan McBee doing their really fantastic uh, uh, don't shoot, shoot. Um, kind of scenario and decision-making training, live fire, really, really cool stuff there. Uh, Spencer Keepers, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not naming everybody, and I apologize. Um, you know, Matt Little, actually sporting his shirt here today from Graybeard Actual. Matt Little and his wife, Angela, there teaching, doing amazing work. Jeff Gonzalez, right? Um, Matthew, you taught a couple classes. Mm-hmm. We had our own Brian McLaughlin from Mount Man Medical teaching classes. We had, oh, man. Uh, I know, again, I know I'm missing, you know, at least a couple of you and I apologize for that. Brian Eastridge. Brian Eastridge, right. Doing a skill builder 50 course. Um, I will just say to those of you that are listening to the podcast that were in attendance at that. And I know Scott who, here, who's watching on Facebook was one of those that was there. Uh, we appreciate you guys for being there and for supporting the event I was extremely humbled at the feedback we received from those of you in attendance uh, because that feedback was overwhelmingly positive. I, I, I couldn't have expected it because I'll tell you, it was a really challenging event to put on. Uh, number one, we had never done it before. So this was, uh, this was our first time and we didn't know all the things that we would encounter. We didn't know all of the challenges that we would face in advance, but we did our best. And uh, fortunately our best, I think for this first year event was good enough. The big thing is, is that while it seemed like chaos and, and a, at times a total mess behind the scenes to me and maybe to some of those of us that were behind the scenes running things, um, it seemed to me based on what, attendees had to say that it wasn't very apparent to them that they enjoyed the event that that it ran relatively smoothly that they got fabulous fantastic high quality training so that was awesome it was it was an awesome event we missed many of you there would have liked to have had more of you there and we intend on putting on the guardian conference again next year and making it bigger and better than ever I'd like to have even more of you in attendance so hopefully COVID won't play as much of a factor. That would be good. Hopefully travel's easier. Maybe 
across fingers that fuel prices are better, ammo prices are better. Okay, all of that. Um, but we our commitment to use will make it bigger and better than ever. Um, we had an amazing, honestly, almost like miracles that that occurred at the event, such as realizing a bit at the last minute that we were not going to be able to do the live fire low light uh, shooting courses that we had planned uh, due to some some changes with the uh, with the venue. Uh, but we had very quickly Wilshire Wilshire Gun or Wilshire Gun Club. I think I think they just go by Wilshire Gun. If you go to WilshireGun.com, that's L or W I L S H I R E WilshireGun.com. Those guys stepped up and let us use and take over their two of their indoor shooting bays on Saturday night and do our low light classes. Um, that was phenomenal. And I'll be honest, I think we're going to do the same thing again next year. We're already talking with Wilshire Gun about how to make that work and also how to make that bigger and better as well. So um, what we wanted to do in this episode today, we didn't want to just like rehash or recap the event and, you know, which might not be all that exciting for some of you, especially if you weren't in attendance or for some of you that were in attendance, maybe that would be, uh, maybe it was, you've had plenty of guardian conference because it was three long, <laughs> hot days of training. <laughs> and maybe you don't want to be reminded of some of that. I don't know. But anyway, we wanted to actually talk today about how to maximize your growth at a three-day training conference or really any training course for that matter. Because I think a lot of what we're talking about today will apply to just about any training course that you might take, particularly full-day or multi-day training courses, especially multi-day ones, Mm -hmm. right? Because some of what we're going to talk about is specific to events where they're just a little bit more physically demanding and taxing than, uh, you know, like a four-hour CCW class, for instance. Sure. So, there you go. That's the topic for today. Maximizing your growth at a three-day training conference. All right? And so, for those of you that will attend with us next year, you know, in fact, I'm, I'm already planning that as of this moment, as we're recording this episode, that this episode is going to go out to, like, it's going to be sent or maybe it'll be on the website for those of you that will attend our 2022 Guardian Conference as a heads up and like go listen to this episode and get your tips on how to maximize your training and your training growth at our next Guardian Conference. Anyway, Matthew, I'd like to hear from you first. I want to, first of all, I want to hear a little bit of your perspective about the Guardian Conference and I want to hear your first, call it takeaway or whatever, regarding, you know, how do we maximize our, you know, our, our growth in, in a multi-day training event? Yes, sure. Um, so just, I'll just reiterate like what you said about um, the attendees were fantastic. It was awesome just to meet a lot of the people that listen to the podcast and, and just say, you know, we appreciate the the content you you guys are putting out and the, the, the presentation of how you're doing it. And, um, um, where it's coming from and all that. It was, it was just really cool to get FaceTime with people that um, normally you don't in, 
it makes it easier. So we're not, you know, we're not talking to you. We're talking, you know, we kind of know each other a little bit more. And, and it was just, it was really cool. And then we had the dinner um, where we got to sit down and just eat with some of the guys that and gals that listen to the podcast or, you know, um, our members, guardian members and stuff. And it was just, it was really cool. Um, that was awesome. It was great to be able to instruct with, uh, with several, you know, um, with, with all, all the instructors that were there, just top level. I mean, each range you go to, you're getting information from guys and gals that are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're all professional and it was just really cool to be part of that. Um, and to, um, to touch those, those, those shooters, um, in a way that, um, would allow them to hopefully be successful as they moved on throughout the, their three day, um, um, you know, different courses that they took throughout those three days. So, um, it was awesome. It was an awesome experience for me. I hope those guys and girls that were there, um, felt the same way. So, um, and yeah, so one thing that I took away and I, I went around and I was talking to a lot of, um, attendees trying to get a little bit of an idea of, um, you know, what were your expectations? What did you think, um, did, you know, about, maybe a specific class or, or how things are going. Um, and my first one, um, came from uh, a couple of people I was talking to at different times and then, um, they kind of reiterated the same thing. So one of the things that they, that threw them off or that was something that they pointed out to me, they were, they identified themselves as kind of newer shooters. And they said, you know, it's, it's interesting. We've never taken a like multi-day courses from different instructors. And they said it was kind of difficult for us sometimes to go from one instructor who teaches one way. And then, you know, an hour later, you, you go to another class and another top notch instructor, right. Is teaching something different and saying, okay, well, don't do it that way. Do it this way. Or, perceiving that they were saying, forget everything you learned type thing. Right. Um, and so the question was, you know, how do we navigate that? How do we know what we're supposed to be learning if there are differences in what's being taught? Um, and so I thought that was interesting. It was something that I honestly didn't think about when we do multi-day courses. Normally it's the same instructor teaching every day. Um, and, and you might have assistant instructors who maybe say things differently, a little bit differently, but typically the curriculum or the, the, the approach is, is pretty consistent. Um, and so I guess if you went to the course, you know, the course and you were thinking the same thing, or you haven't been to a lot of different instruction from different instructors, um, then I guess my, my um, advice, and then you can chime in Riley as well, but um, just overall, my, my advice would be, you know, there are different ways of doing things. There are different um, methodologies of teaching and some instructors may be teaching the same thing, but they may be focusing on a different aspect of it for example, grip, um, instructors may be teaching grip the same way, but maybe they say it differently, or maybe they're just focusing on a different aspect of grip or, uh, um, based on the type of class it is, or what they're trying to really hammer home for the, for the student, for their specific class. So it might not always be something that's totally different. It might just seem different. Um, 
And if it is, if it is totally different, right, there are different methodologies, thumbs high, or, you know, maybe somebody's not teaching a thumbs high grip, I, I, but um, for example, to stay on the grip the analogy, um, you know, try it out. If, if you're on the, if you're on the range and you're paying for time with this instructor and, and um, try it out and, and, and ask questions, you know, why are you, why do you teach this way rather than this? Um, I've been taught this. And is there a, is there a benefit of doing it this way? Um, and, and try it out. And at the end of the day, you take it, different um, aspects of each instructor, how they taught, what clicked, what didn't seem to work. And you take what works and the, the rest, you kind of pass off to the side and maybe you come back to it on a, on a, you know, day where you're training on yourself and you say, Hey, by yourself. And maybe you say, let me try this out. What, what, you know, um, but don't, don't get so wrapped up in, I have to follow one instructor's way of doing things. Um, everything they do must be followed, you know, and this person, if they say it differently, um, I, I have to discount it. So, um, that would be my basic overall, um, advice. If you're having a situation like that, I'm sure Riley, you can, you have a, a point of view that you could help, um, maybe clarify. Yeah. I, uh, and you wrote an article about this actually on concealedcarry.com. You touched on this very thing, uh, which the title of that is different instructors, different fundamentals, which one is right. If you guys want to go look that up, we can try to make sure we put that article in the show notes of this episode too. So, you know, I, I'm familiar with this concept, if you will, this idea, this, uh, Sometimes it's almost a complaint. I, I don't know that, that anybody necessarily at our event was complaining about this. No, not, not but, at all. But, but, you know, asking the question about, well, what do I do? I just went to this block over here and they said this. And then I went over to this block with this instructor and they said that. And they seem to be contradicting each other or, you know, something to that effect. Um, so I'll say this much. First of all, instructors that were selected for the 2021 Guardian Conference uh, they all come from different backgrounds, different levels of, um, different types of experience, right? Um, some of them even have varying degrees of actual shooting skill. Okay. But, and uh, to be, to be clear, there are certain instructors that taught at our conference this year that I don't 100% fully agree with on certain things. All right. And they probably don't agree 100% with some of the stuff that I teach. All right. So I, to me, I would be remiss if we put together a lineup of instructors for our conference that were all exactly the same. I think that would not be doing anybody a service. And then it just becomes one big giant echo chamber. So on the one hand, it sounds nice to have things be consistent across the board from instructor to construct to instructor. Uh, but that's not what it's about. I think, I think we do a conference like this so we can expose ourselves to a variety of methodologies and styles of teaching and all kinds of things, but it is challenging particularly for someone that is a lesser skilled or more of a developing shooter that maybe they don't quite know who they are yet as a shooter. And so therefore they don't quite have the, call them the fundamentals, I suppose, totally locked down in their own world. So um, 
I will say this as a more skilled shooter or instructor, having attended training from a bunch of other guys, including some of those that were at our conference this year, that I have certainly been in classes where I'm like, "Mm, I don't agree with that. Okay. But here's the opportunity that it has created for me when I hear things or see things done differently. It gives me an opportunity to ask the question of, well, is the way I do it really the the better way, particularly for me? In other words, we have to be asking the questions of why do I do what I do? Or why do I believe what I believe? Or why do I teach what I teach? All right. We should know the whys behind the things that we do. And that's really the big, big takeaway from this. Now, again, maybe you're a bit newer and fresher, developing, and it's harder for you to really understand some of those whys because you're still discovering. And so, uh, Matthew, you mentioned this in your article. You said it's a good idea to ask the instructor why they teach something or teach something a certain way. So, uh, I think that's a really good idea because if you don't know your or understand your own why, then asking the instructor that you're learning from their why for something is a good start. So that that's one thing. The other thing is that when we go to, to a training event like this, or even when we train with multiple different instructors over time, okay, and we hear these different things or they're taught different ways, uh, there's, a, there's a quote from Bruce Lee where he says, um. Uh, oh, shoot. I had it. Oh, man, I'm not going to quote it exactly. It was there and now it's gone. But basically, he says something to the effect of, you know, take in this, this information, okay, and keep what is useful and discard what is not, okay? And so that's how I approach my training these days is I like hearing different ideas and I evaluate these different things and then I put them to test. Okay. I, I I put them to use. Okay. So, you know, so-and-so taught me this and that's different than what I've previously done or what I pre or what I currently understand to be correct up to this time. Well, let's put their word to the test and let's try it and let's see what the results are. Does my shooting improve or does it not improve? Okay. Well, if it improves, then, well, by golly, we better keep something there that we learned from this guy because that was useful. It resulted in something positive, a positive benefit, right? If you try it out and it doesn't work, okay, maybe that's not useful. So let's discard that information. All right. But here's a a bit of a warning. People are too quick to accept or dismiss things, I feel sometimes. I've seen this within myself, okay? Where maybe you're encouraged to try a certain technique, but realize that because it's a new technique and it's unfamiliar to you, it may not work immediately because it takes you some time to actually employ it properly. So when we learn different things or different techniques or whatever, we should give them some, we should try them and we need to be a little bit patient with them. All right. The other thing is I have certainly learned things that I was like, ooh, I I don't know about that. Or tried a new technique that was very strange or uncomfortable even. 
I'll tell you, when you make little grip changes, because you've been gripping a certain way for years and years and years, when you make a change, it's incredibly uncomfortable. It feels odd. It feels out of place. You're unsure about what you're doing. Because you you spent however many hundreds or thousands of hours doing it this way, you can't expect to overwrite those neural pathways and everything overnight. All right. And so here's the thing. I have made changes to technique over the years that because the instructor or the person that I trust that taught me that technique gave me a compelling reason, a, a, a compelling enough reason to try it or to switch to it, then I had to trust in that and really give it a fair shake. And that's why the why is so important. Yeah, I, I, because yeah. I think we're really result, results driven sometimes. And, we, you know, we go to a course and we are, we're waiting for the instructor to tweak our hand or, do you know, move our foot an inch to the rear. And then all of a sudden all our shots hit. And if they don't, we're like, OK, well, I'm, I'm going to disregard that because it's not working. And it's like, how many shots have you fired? Three or four? Like, it's a little too soon to 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 uh, to, you know, throw out that techniques. But um but yeah, we should be results driven eventually. Like we want good results overall, but they may, there might be a curve, right? There might be a little curve. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just to kind of wrap up this first, uh, this first one of, you know, tips for taking classes from multiple instructors. Um, go into classes with different instructors with an open mind mm-hmm. and do everything you can to do things the way they recommend that you do it. Even if they're dogmatic, even if they're like, this is the one way. (laughs) And, you know, I expect you to do it this way in my class. I've been in classes like that. And I just, I, I give it a a good old college try. I do because I'm there. Okay. I'm there to try to learn what I can from them. Even if on the surface, it seems like it's something different or that I disagree with. And, and so go in with an open mind and be willing to learn and give it a try. And then also make sure you take really good notes. Okay. And it's especially important to take good notes from a training event like the Guardian Conference, because you train with so many different people over three days that you may not be able to remember all the nuances from instructor to instructor. So in this class, he said, do this. But in that class, Riley said to do that. And it was a little different than what Matt or Brian or Jeff or whoever said in their class, right? And so you 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 try to be open minded and try all those different things while you're in their respective classes and write that crap down, so that because where the real work occurs is after the class is after the event. And so you write it down. So then, well, now let's spend some time working on this technique that Riley showed or this technique that Brian showed or whatever. Okay. That's, that's what I strongly, strongly recommend as it relates to uh, this topic here today. So should we move on to our next item, Matthew? Yeah. Why don't you go with one? So the next thing, and this was, this is something that I, you know, made note of from our event. Uh, and it didn't come necessarily as a surprise to me, but uh, I, I, 
I will say there were some limited cases where it was a bit surprising to me. So what what is that? Um, those of you that attended, we sent out a survey, and in that survey there were some questions that basically were asking you to evaluate your skill level. And part of the reason for that was so that we could do our best to ensure you got placed in classes that were appropriate for your skill level. I expected that there would be some a few people that either over or underestimated their skill level because that's just the way it goes. I mean, it's an expectation that it's going to happen. What's interesting is, and I have found this to be true even with myself, Matthew, is that the more skilled you become, usually the more humble and even critical you are of your current skill level, and you probably won't give yourself credit for how good you actually are. So I know I had people in a couple of classes that rated themselves as intermediate level, but they were definitely what I would have thought or considered to be more than, you know, like more like at an advanced level. Okay. But then we have conversely, you know, the opposite of that is, and it's, this is just a, a fact with Dunning-Kruger being an actual thing, right? The whole, you don't know, you don't know thing. And the less you know, and the less skill you have, the more likely you are to overestimate your actual skill level. Because you, the more you know, the more you learn you don't know. And that's the piece that keeps you humble. And that's the piece that helps you evaluate where you actually are a little bit, a little bit more accurately. But early on, that's, that's really hard to do. So anyway, what, what this uh, tip is, is to take classes that are appropriate for your skill level. Now, again, this is true of whether you're coming to a guardian conference or attending any training course of any sort. If a training class has um, any prerequisites or, if, or any recommendations like, hey, you should be a certain skill level before you take this class, um, that's really, really, really important that you do your absolute best to only sign up for those classes that are appropriate for your skill level. Now, I'll give you an example. Like my, my two-day pistol intelligence class, um, I don't say that, that like, I, I don't turn anybody away from that class. But on my website and in the description of that course, I mention, you know, that it's intended for people that kind of already got the fundamentals figured out. And I give an example using a specific drill. In fact, in fact, it's Gila Hayes' 5 by 5 drill. And I say, you should be able to do to shoot at this level and pass this drill consistently before you come to my class. I say should. Again, I don't turn anybody away. But but should because here's here's and here's why this is so important, why we should take classes appropriate for our skill level. We'll get more out of them if we are taking classes that match us better. All right. So when you have someone that is that is, that still has some pretty big issues with grip, or like grip is often. I mean, that's like that's a telltale sign, right, Matthew? Like you see sure. shooters, and you can very quickly be like, "Oh, this person's got stuff figured out pretty well." just by looking at grip, mm-hmm. right? Uh, when we have a, a class that we're, we're dealing with more advanced concepts or at least concepts that require 
more cognitive processing. If you have to be thinking about what you're doing with grip, because we're forced to make some adjustments to your grip in during class, uh, because if we don't make those adjustments, it's just going to make life worse and harder for you. Um, then there you are thinking about grip instead of thinking about the other things, the higher elements or principles in the class that are being discussed. And so you won't get as much out of it. I, I think you'll still get something out of it. You just won't get as much. Mm-hmm. And if you were in a class that's more appropriate for your skill level, you'd get more out of that. Okay. So um, I don't know how to word this necessarily, or, or again, I don't want to like, I don't want to give anybody the, the false impression that I'm criticizing anybody that attended our Guardian Conference because I'm not. Uh, again, because I recognize that this is actually something that's hard to do. Like if you, I actually encountered this, Matthew, in a recent uh, discussion with a, it was a, it was a random conversation with somebody I met sitting next to me at dinner. Hmm. Like they weren't part of my, my group. In fact, I'll just tell you, this was after the primary and secondary training summit. And I went out to dinner with like Scott Jelinski, AJ Zito, uh, uh, Bill Blowers, uh, Mark Smith, I mean, I'm trying to think who else was in our group, but these are all like high level shooters, high level shooters and instructors. Okay. And we're having dinner and we're having a good time. And our conversation was lively. And just to the side of me was a young lady with her boyfriend, I think, having dinner. And she kept kind of looking our way a little bit. I think she was a bit amused and even curious about who we were and what we were talking about. And at one point she kind of leaned over. She's like, well, who are you guys? And like, what are, what are you doing? Kind of thing. So we have this conversation and I don't, I don't need to get into the weeds about all this, but one of the questions she asked, and it was a really interesting question, especially to a group of accomplished shooters and instructors. And she asked, what constitutes a, what was the word she used? A sharpshooter. Like what is the mm-hmm. definition of a, of a sharpshooter? You know, and it was kind of like you could have asked, what is the definition of a marksman or what's the definition of a, an expert or a master kind of thing? You know, it was a really interesting question because we kind of actually looked at each other and we're like, hmm, how do we define this? You know, uh, partly because you do have certain, you know, you've got military qualifications, right? You shoot a, a course of fire and you might classify or qualify as a sharpshooter or an expert or whatever. You got IDPA classifications that use terms like that as well. Expert, marksman, sharpshooter, master, and so forth. Okay. And and then you got USPSA that doesn't use the sharpshooter, sharpshooter or expert terminology, but uses things like master or grandmaster. And so, and into each of these organizations or, or disciplines, some of those words or semantics might be a little bit different. Right. But at the end of the day, it was sort of, it was basically classifying like, and it was to each of us sort of asking the question of like, how, how good are you really? And that is a, that's a harder thing to answer. Although what is helpful is being able to say things like, well, I'm a USPSA master class shooter and other people in the know, other people that know what that means, they know what that means. And they, and if someone tells me I'm a USPSA B class shooter, I have a very 
clear understanding of what that looks like. Because I've seen a lot of B class shooters and I know and I was one once upon a time. And so like I know what they can what they're capable of and what their skill level and their skill sets are like. So I know I'm, I'm, I tend to get into the weeds and here I'm getting into the weeds, but this is a really fascinating conversation that I think causes us all to reflect a little bit on who are we as shooters? And that is more difficult to answer than people realize a lot of times, especially if you don't hold a certain designation or classification from a well, um, from a recognized, you know, organization of sorts that has a well-determined or defined, you know, level uh, classification of skills. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, the important thing here is to make sure I think that we're as honest as we can be with ourselves because it's only going to serve us better in the long run in terms of making sure we're taking and getting the training that we really truly need. Yeah. The only, the only thing I would add to that is um, if you're unsure, like uh, if you're unsure, a lot of times you'll read the the class description and it'll come up with a whole bunch of different, um, you know, jargon and, and things that you're going to learn. And you might be intimidated by what's being taught and think, oh, that class is way too high level. If, if you're not sure, I mean, there, what I would recommend is call the instructor. I've had people call me and say, hey, what is this class? I, I've done this, this, and this. I've trained here and here. I've spent this many hours training. Um, it, is this going to be a, an appropriate class for me? I love that because now I know I can have an, a, a conversation with the student that's coming in and saying, yeah, this is a good class or no, you know what, like this would be a better class for you. And so if you're going to a multi uh, you know, course conference or it's just a, a class that you're going to sign up for off the Internet or through another instructor and you're reading the, the class description, you're not quite sure if that's for you, too low, too high, call the instructor. And I guarantee you that, that, that you'll come away with that with an idea of if this class is for you or not, because the instructor is not going to place you in a class that is way below your skill set or above your skill set. Absolutely. That's a great, great recommendation. Yeah. Well, Matthew, what's uh, the next thing on our list here? Yeah, I'll go quickly with this one. Um, th- this was kind of exposed. You mentioned about the heat at the conference. It was it was hot. There were no clouds in the sky. Um, it was just sunlight all the time, and it was hot. Um, and so what, one thing that I would say is, especially if you're going to a multi-day conference or a multi-day course um, that is all day out in the sun, it's not you know, there's no lecture inside or anything like that, that understand your physical limitations and the demands of that class that that class is going to put on you. Um, not to say that anybody that was at the conference was out of their element or anything. Um, but, you know, a class that is taken, uh, you know, if you're outdoors for four hours shooting in 70 degree temperature with overcast skies or something, that's completely different than taking a class when it's 93 degrees with no, you know, no cloud cover and anything. Um, and you're out there. I mean, the physical demands of that is, is, is higher. And so if you come into that with already some ideas like, Hey, um, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not going to be hydrated. Um, I'm not going to be, you know, able to eat well, I'm going to be traveling and tired or whatnot. Um, 
take that into consideration. And also at the same time, if you do know that it's going to be a long day course, make sure you are hydrated, that you're eating beforehand, um, that you have snacks in your bag that you can eat on the go continually, kind of giving yourself um, some calories and, and some water and stuff like that. Because the last thing you want to do is have to pay for a class and then sit out and just observe. Um, so that'd just be my, my quick, uh, takeaway from that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so folks know that before we begin this episode, our planning for this was Matthew came, he brought with him three ideas or, or tips or topics. And I brought three to the table and I just realized that your second one and my second <laughs> one are, are, are both kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah. You I know, just noticed that. Um, and I didn't catch that beforehand. So I, I guess we're talking about these two things together now, because I wrote, uh, be willing to sit things out if overwhelmed or physically exhausted. It, it's knowing your limits. Mm-hmm. So um, knowing ahead of time what you can do or can't do physically is 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 a good thing to know. I, I know that for some people that attended our three-day conference that they they came away knowing kind of where their limits are little bit more because perhaps they had never done a three-day training event like this and didn't realize just how taxing something like that can be. I mean, being on the range eight hours plus a day, learning and learning in 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 and of itself, like using your brain is actually taxing on you. It's exhausting, right? Mm -hmm. So you're learning and trying new things. You're on your feet all day, perhaps. You're in the sun, right? You're 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 sweating. All those factors add up, and uh, so I mean, you talked about you know being being aware of what those physical limitations would be, and I would say, I guess my angle of this is is approaching it from more of the mental or the ego side of things, and just being willing to sit things out if you become overwhelmed or physically exhausted and that's and by overwhelmed, I mean mentally. Okay. Uh, that mentally you become overwhelmed or physically you become exhausted. Why is this important? Well, when we do training events like this or training courses of any type, I, I've seen this numerous times through the years, we are teaching you new concepts, principles, techniques, and so forth. And, you know, the nature of a class is there's a progression to it, right? So we start in point A and we progress our way towards point B and then point C and point D and so on and so forth, because that's kind of the point of communicating to the student new knowledge and skill and techniques. And so what can happen and, and often does happen with certain individuals and, and it's, it's going to be dependent on level of skill and what is being taught, but it's not uncommon to see someone that, you know, they, they've learned already three new things a day and maybe because they needed some help with their grip or their stance or whatever, you know, they're trying to think of all these things because we're trying to do our best. Everybody tries their best. And and by the way, that's a great attitude to have. We, we had many wonderful students and attendees at the Guardian Conference that had awesome attitudes about it all, that were there to learn. Like, really, everyone I encountered there was there to learn, and it was awesome to see. Uh, and that's the nature of, of something like this. It's a volunteer 
civilian oriented training event, right? This is not like a bunch of cops or military personnel that were forced to go to training where they're like, ah, I don't really want to be here. I'd rather be home fishing with my kids or, you know, that kind of thing. No, everyone that was at our conference wanted to be there. So that's an awesome thing because it brings with it a certain attitude, an attitude that wants to learn. And so here you are, you're trying to learn, you're trying to take all this stuff in, you're trying to learn all these new concepts and techniques, and you're trying to apply them because you want to do well. And before you know it, something else gets, gets thrown your way and it pushes you over the edge cognitively. There's just too much going on up here in the brain to keep track of it all and do so safely. And that's what I want to hit on there is that this is where it becomes really important for you to be honest with yourself and to recognize when you are getting a little bit of that cognitive overload and you go, oh, okay, I need to take a break because this is getting to be too much. So the ego thing comes in because a lot of us don't want to be that guy or gal that sits out because we, we want to prove to ourselves and to others that we can do it. But if you become cognitively overloaded, that opens up the door for potential safety failures. And that's just something that we can't have at training events. And that's where we need your help as a student, as an attendee, you know, I say we from the perspective of instructors to make sure that you know your limits, okay, in terms of that mental capacity to sit down when it's become too much or to ask for help. Sometimes it's just that we just need to get you back on track. And, you know, I had to do that recently at the Active Self-Protection National Conference I was teaching at. And I was actually working as an, as an assistant instructor for another instructor for part of that. And I had a student that definitely hit that cognitive overload point. And, and he knew it, but he, he knew it a little bit too late because already some of the safety was starting to become an issue. Okay. Because I had him stop. I said, okay, you need to stop right there. We're getting a little bit sideways with the gun. Okay. If I let you keep going, like it's going to end up, you're going to end up pointing that at yourself or pointing at somebody else. And we just can't have that happen. Right. That kind of thing. And he, so I, I said that I said, stop, you know, let's, let's take a break. And he realizes, Oh, you're right. I am way in over my head. And even then I could tell he just couldn't quite process of what, what to do next. And it's like, look, it's okay. It is okay. Let's just take a breather. Okay. Take a couple deep breaths. And he did. And he, okay. All right. Everything is fine. I'm right here with you. That's why I'm here is to help you be successful and to do so safely. Right. And we got him back on track and it actually didn't take too much. It just, he got overwhelmed, had to step back, take a couple deep breaths, and then he got back on track and he did find the rest of the class. Now, on the other side of this, if you hit that physical exhaustion limit, that also you need to be looking for and recognizing and taking those timeouts if you need to. And I, I applaud, I had a couple of students over the three days at the Guardian Conference it was three hot days. It was 95 degrees every day in September, you know, the mid latter part of September. It was warm. It was very, very, very warm. We expected average temps of like 82 to 85 based on historical averages. And we did not get that. So people were getting exhausted. And I applaud those that in classes I was teaching even that was like, hey, Riley, I need to take a break. And they did. That was awesome. 
overall, overall, I think conference wide, everyone did a fantastic job in this regard. We only had a couple of very minor issues. So well done. Absolutely. Should we move on to the next thing? Sure, sure. So gear considerations is what I have listed here. Matthew, why don't you explain what you what you mean by that? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll just touch on this r- briefly because we've covered this a lot in different episodes. But um, if you're going to go to a course that is um, going to have a – really any course where there's going to be dynamic movement or you're going to be drawing and, and, and doing a lot, asked to be doing a lot of things, if you – you know, you probably, even if you carry in a purse, you probably wouldn't show up to the course with your firearm in a purse and say, I'm going to run this course, drawing the gun out of my purse or, you know, a satchel if, you know, you don't carry a purse. Um, I've, I saw a couple um, times, not at this conference um, specifically, but overall um, in, in these types of scenarios where somebody might show up with a belly band type holster because they carry that way. Um, the problem with those types of, um, you know, holsters is that when you're doing a lot of drawing, a lot of coming out of the holster, a lot of different things, um, when you start getting tired, when you start repeatedly doing these things, you the tendency is to start you know, kind of going back to the holster a little too quickly, a little too sloppy. Um, and there's some safety issues there. Also, if you haven't vetted your 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 gear like your holster you go out the day before and you buy a an uncle mike's universal holster or something like that um it's it's probably not the thing that you want to do you want to get a whole you want to get holsters that stay fastened to the belt that are formed for your gun that um you know that you're that are the mouth of it's going to stay open so you can reholster um the gun It, it so um, additionally, I guess I'll throw this one more since we're talking about holsters specifically, um, make sure that all your screws and everything, and this is not just for a conference or a course, but there, you, you put some Loctite on those because uh, I saw at least one time, um, at the conference and several other times as teaching, um, holsters just fall apart on the, on the line and it, the screws go everywhere. And then y- you're, you know, you're out of luck if you can't find the screws or you don't have a backup. Um, so check your gear, make sure it's appropriate for the course that you're taking. If you, uh, you're unsure, make sure you call the instructor and ask them, hey, can I bring this or that? Or, um, you know, I only have one magazine. It says there I need three. Is that going to be an issue? Um, these types of things, because you don't want to slow down the course because you don't have the right gear if it's or it's always falling apart or um, you don't want to show up, um, you know, with with inappropriate gear. So um, that would be my just thing, you know, make sure you have enough ammo for the course to run the course and um, in appropriate gear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you 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 hit on that really well. Um, I do want to just touch on on one thing again and because uh, this is this is true I, I've attended three training conferences and taught at three training conferences in the last month and it's crazy to say that I never imagined in my life I would be in that position to, to teach at three training conferences almost back to back to back I had just a, a two-week break between uh, 
the primary and secondary one and, and our own, which was a good thing because I needed that two week break to actually prepare for our own. Um, but, um, the, the common thing that I saw over those three, uh, three conferences was that those that I had the biggest issues with from more of a safety perspective, when it came to reholstering their guns were all hybrid holsters. Now I don't prohibit hybrid holsters and I was even a user of a hybrid holster once upon a time. In fact, the cover art of the concealed carry podcast is still features a hybrid holster. <laughs> so, and it, and it was my own. All right. So, um, I don't prohibit them. I do believe they can be safely used, but I prefer not to see them. Prefer not. Okay, because most of the issues that that I've encountered the last month at three different training conferences, this and it was common amongst all three, is that those, as an instructor, as I'm observing, and I'm like, ooh, 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 and I usually had words for them, because it usually looks like this. The hybrid holster sits a little bit behind the hip, and you, perhaps you have a cover garment involved, right? Uh, not everybody did, but some did, right? But this is the this is the common thing. I'm going back to the holster. I'm pulling up my shirt to get the cover garment out of the way, and it's back there, and I don't have the mobility to really turn and look and see my way into the holster very effectively. And then I'm back there kind of dancing around with the gun, trying to find the opening. And meanwhile, because I get distracted by that, that maybe my hand slips on the sh- on the cover garment shirt, and now that shirt's kind of getting into the way of the opening of the holster, and it just becomes like this cascading series of potential pitfalls, and it can get sideways really fast. Sideways by meaning that it's very easy for some of those cascading errors to compound and turn into a big time safety issue. And so I know some of you probably not very happy with me that I'm, you may feel like I'm calling you out. If you're a hybrid holster user, again, I don't prohibit them. You want to reuse them. You want to come to my training conference with them. That's fine. But there's a reason why some of us have moved on from hybrid holsters. Okay. Cause most of us have been there and done that at one time. So just ask yourself the question, why, are they no longer using that if it's so great? Just just a thought. Just something to think about. Anyway, um, hopefully I didn't hurt too many feelings with that. Let's see. Um, last thing here. Give the soft skills more attention. So this just came from my point of view as the organizer, primary organizer of the, of the 2021 Guardian Conference. Originally, it was supposed to be Jacob, and I was helping with that, And but I was primarily planning on being focused on teaching and making sure instructors had what they needed. But instead, I had to do a lot more stuff. <laughs> um, but seeing more of the signups for the different classes ahead of time and actually putting together people's schedules, uh, and, and this didn't surprise me, but but the, but there is always this part of you that like hopes for more or hopes for better. Uh, and, and again, this is not meant as like a 
a dig at any one person necessarily. Some of you will go, oh, yep, that's me, but that's okay, all right? Because we all have different needs, and I respect that as well. But I put this out there for your consideration. And what that is, we saw out of our most popular courses at the conference, they were all shooting courses. And the least popular ones were ones that did not involve pews, <laughs> pew-pewing, okay? Uh, or what I would call more of the soft skills in this case. because So we had, we had a great lineup of training all the way from legal lectures from Andrew Branca to a, a, a fascinating active threat terrorism-related uh, lecture from Hanny McMood to uh, managing unknown contacts, which is just a, a great all-around course from Chuck Haggard combined with his OC spray one, though that's a powerful four hour block that any one person can attend to uh, weapons-based combatives with Todd Fossey, which is really more, it's some hand to hand skills, but Todd is, that's his terminology, weapons-based combatives. Weapons are always involved and it's how, how do we employ open hand techniques to, you know, environments where weapons are, you know, coming to the picture. Um, what else? We had some other lectures from guys like Spencer Keepers had a lecture as well. Uh, I'm probably missing one or two. I mean, Brian Brian uh, McLaughlin's uh, uh, trauma class, emergency trauma response for the concealed carrier. Um, very, very valuable information. Very, very good class to take. But again, we saw all of those that I just listed were less attended than the fun pew-pew classes. And I understand that. I know why that is. We all like to make pew-pew noises. It's fun. I love training to shoot. I love trying to get better at shooting. But I would recommend that for some of you next year, give some of those soft skills another look and maybe give them a little attention. We, we, we worked hard to bring to this conference a wide array of of information and training so that we could come all come away, hopefully a little bit better, stronger and more well-rounded. Mm-hmm. So just a thought. And I'll say this much too, with respect to that, you spend uh, three days, six, eight hour blocks minimum, <laughs> all shooting out in the sun. You're going to pay a toll for that. <laughs> okay. Get out of the sun every once in a while. Go take one of those other fantastic classes, and you're going to be a lot better for it just in your overall health and wellness. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, your thoughts on that, Matthew? Or no, any other, I, other I can't. I can't add any. I'll just add. I think you forgot. Uh, we had a, some good course block from Andrew Branca. Um, some self-defense law stuff. So if that's your thing that. too. Okay. Well, maybe I, did, I didn't actually, I didn't hear that part, I know, but I it was a good class. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're exactly right though. Like we, we had the laws, we had less lethal mm-hmm. training. We had hand to hand combatives training. We had medical training. And we had shooting training. 
whole picture, at least as much as we could do. That was, that was, that was important to us that we had all of those opportunities available, not just shooting. Mm-hmm. Elke asked question, which pistols had the most malfunctions? Ooh, that was tough. That's a tough I actually answer. don't know. I actually don't know. I'd have to say all <laughs> because there was a lot and not all uh, different reasons, but, uh, sure. Yeah. I saw, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't keep close enough track Elke, uh, to notice a specific trend with certain brands or types of pistols. Uh, I definitely saw a few from multiple different, types and so in what it seemed to be at least there's one that stands out in my mind that was more um there was one pistol in particular that had issues and it was in fact a glock okay but it was very much apparent that it was that pistol specifically so sometimes that's just the way it goes and that could be a maintenance related issue right like maybe that pistol has been shot twenty thousand rounds and it has never had a recoil uh, spring uh, changed or an extractor changed or that kind of thing. Okay. So I saw a lot of dry guns too. Yeah. Yeah. Lube related issues. Sean's commenting on YouTube. He's absolutely correct about that. Mm -hmm. Definitely saw a lot of issues with, with uh, that. So yeah, make sure your guns are lubricated. (laughs) Make sure. I see that in all the classes I teach. Every sure. I, I've never not seen that in a you know somebody shows up inevitably that has a gun that has a hiccup or two, and it's almost always lubrication can be fixed. And the others are guns that are not maintained properly. And by when I say there's lubrication and there's maintenance, and maintenance is wear and tear parts not being replaced and they should be. Uh, so we had a gun that had some failures to extract. And almost certainly that's a extractor related issue, um, I would guess, on that particular one. So, yeah, a lot of different malfunctions. Some were ammo related. That's true. Some were lubrication related. Some were maintenance related is the way it goes. Um, didn't see much, at least in the classes I had, where it was like what I would have considered to be a, a gun quality issue. Uh, most everybody was running decent equipment as far as the guns were concerned so anyway we had a great time time guys we're over time so it's time to start wrapping this up i hope we just gave you six items six uh tips we'll call them for how to maximize your growth at a three-day training conference or event or any training course for that matter okay making sure that when you take classes from multiple instructors that you you go in with an open mind and you apply things the best that you can and then and take notes and then spend time with those things that you learn, those classes to see what actually does work best for you. All right. Taking classes that are appropriate for your skill level, uh, making sure you understand your physical limits and also recognizing when you've hit your limits, whether physically or mentally. Okay. And that you have the courage to sit out when you do hit those limits because that's best for you and your and your health but also your and others safety um gear considerations okay making sure that you got your gear sorted out one of the great things about training events though and that's the thing you might show up and you might have gear failures 
And that's okay because I'd rather you experience that in a training environment than experience it in the real life environment. Mm -hmm. And that's always a win when you show up and I've had that happen. I've taken training courses where I quickly realized during that training course, like this is not working. Theoretically, I thought this piece of gear was going to be awesome and it is not working. I've got to do something about that and fix that. That is a part of part of the reason why we should we should train and train often and train regularly so that we're more or less pressure testing our equipment. And then finally, giving the soft skills more attention. Don't overlooking things like the law, medical, less lethal, hand-to-hand skills, et cetera, et cetera. It's fun to make pews and pew noise, but let's let's make sure we don't overlook the other important skills as well. We got to give away, announce a giveaway winner. Guys, don't forget, uh, we do have our weekly podcast giveaway, and it is up and it is running. This week's winner, we're going to announce in just a minute, but if you want to make sure you're signed up for next week's prize, which will be for a pack of dummy ammo uh, from Ready Up Gear, that'll be awesome. All right. It'll be a five-pack of your uh, i think what we have is nine millimeter and two two three nine millimeters actually out of stock right now but we'll be back in stock hopefully soon with that but we're going to give away some dummy ammo to a lucky winner guys make sure you're signing up each week at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize but today's winner for a ready up gear laser dot training cartridge for dry fire use who do we got matthew this week's winner is Shane with the last name I. Shane I. You have won Ready Up Gear Laser Dot Trainer, which is a fantastic dry fire training tool. Awesome. Congratulations to Shane for being this week's winner. Uh, we'll get that Ready Up Gear Laser Dot Trainer shipped out to you as soon as you respond to the email that Matthew would have sent at, at, acknowledging that you are a winner. So, yes. Congratulations, guys. We will be back a little bit later today for the live recording of the episode with me and Jacob Paulson. Uh, That'll be, you know, when that gets published on the podcast feed, maybe a little different time than just simply later today. We'll see, but we're going to work on getting these two episodes that we're recording today published as soon as possible. Cause we know you guys have been waiting anxiously for the podcast to come back online. So guys, it's time for us to sign on out of here. Matthew, thank you for doing this with me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Until next time, don't forget to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.